Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Drinking a little drink, smoking a little smoke, getting down to business. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. We check mark ass fucks. We know that the best is yet to come. God bless you and God bless America. You gotta go down the hole. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. The world is fucking burning. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Nikola Tesla is my boy. But we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. Conspiracy. How are we doing, rabbit holers? Today we have a real good one for you. We are talking to a psychic. It's a little something different, something we haven't done on the pod yet. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, T-Saint. Some would call him the Ty Royal Smoochie Wallace of the Conspiracy Game. Mwah! Smoochie. All right, quick word from our sponsor, and we'll get right into it. Okay, here we go. We are going down the hole with Amy Belair. She is the host of the Third Eye Awakening pod. She does psychic activation, Akashic Record, and past lives. She does readings for those. I'm real excited to talk to her today because we haven't had a guest on the pod yet to get into this type of subject, and I'm just real excited to talk about it. Amy, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited mm-hmm. to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you too. So our first question to our guests is always, what sent you down the rabbit hole? How did you get started doing this type of stuff? Um, I think, I mean, the very first thing I think that ever sent me down the rabbit hole was just the feeling of being like basically I started going through a spiritual awakening when I was about 18 I think and feeling like the way that we live makes no sense in in Mm -hmm. western culture western society um the things that we choose to do with our time just made no sense to me and when I would look around at what other people were you know doing and how they seem to be feeling and enjoying their lives. It looked like there's so much unhappiness Mm -hmm. and so much um, purposelessness. And I felt really pressured to go to university, even though I didn't want to. And nobody could really give me a good reason other than that, like, it would get me a good job. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly. And it just made no sense. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't shake that. I just could never shake it. And it was just a gradual, like, trip down the rabbit hole from there. Yeah, everything in this world does kind of seem upside down. It just seems like there's simpler ways to do things, and we just disregard those and do it fucked up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And why wouldn't we prioritize our happiness and our enjoyment of this life that we have to live? And why wouldn't we play to our strengths rather than trying to fit ourselves in, you know, pre prefabricated boxes? Like that was the part that really didn't make any sense to me. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so my question to you is, at what point did you realize you had gifts uh, in the um, in this in the psychic realm? I think. I mean, I was always having it really interesting experiences feeling like having really interesting dreams very interesting um sort of now i call them downloads but i i didn't even have terms for it then it was just like realizations about how 
the universe functions, uh, just mm-hmm. little pieces of the puzzle at a time. Um, but I also really dismissed those for a long time because I didn't think, like I thought I had to be haunted by ghosts at the end of my bed and terrified to sleep in order to be psychic, if that makes sense, because that's kind of how it seemed to be portrayed in um, in pop culture. Right. So I, I kind of was straddling two worlds where I sort of knew I was always having really interesting experiences, could always tune into what people were going through, but <laughs> at the same time, totally not accepting it about myself until about five years ago. So, so like at a young age, did you experience these things? No, as a kid, I don't, I honestly don't remember experiencing that kind of stuff at all. I, which is why I thought I wasn't psychic because like I just didn't I couldn't relate to that experience of being feeling like I was being haunted or tormented or whatever I just felt like a regular kid albeit kind of precocious and sort of able to see through um you know people's like if if an adult was saying that they were feeling great and they clearly weren't or Mm -hmm. something like that but I don't even think that's necessarily a gift I think that's just like that's just yeah. part of our survival. A little hard bit wiring. of intuition. Kids are super brilliant. Yeah, I think a lot of kids are more in tune with that kind of thing, and they just don't realize that's not normal. You know, they're, yeah. they're just less conditioned. They haven't yeah. put the time in to be, you know, to, to follow along with the way society flows. So, I think that it's not necessarily a gift, but more of um, like a natural state of being. Yeah, it's something that gets beat out of us over time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you said five years ago is when you started this journey. Was it all at once or was it gradual? Did you have to work towards it? Um, I, so what happened to set me off on this path was that I had, um, a pregnancy mm-hmm. with, uh, a, a baby that ended up being born preterm and it was just a, like a series of very unfortunate events that led to that. And, and he ended up dying when he was 20 days old. And it was so much to contend with. Like, I just, you know, like you cannot go on as normal after that because your whole world changes so much. And yet I already had a son that was alive too. So I kind of mm-hmm. like, I did, I felt like I didn't have the luxury to wallow for an extended period of time. That right. sounds really harsh. But, you know, like when you when you go through something really dark, really painful, you can get stuck in those deep eddies of, of your sure. grief and just feeling like pissed off at the universe. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I couldn't do that because I really had to be present for um, my living child. So so basically it it kind of propelled me to look for as much meaning as I could in the experience and try my best to find peace with the experience. And through that, I realized that he, I had already kind of realized when, you know, when everything was complicated in the pregnancy, I, I was able to feel the ways that he had been preparing me for this Mm -hmm. for months for months, like interfering with the trajectory of my life. For uh, for example, I was um, a student midwife at the time, and we were on different rotating placements. And one of the placements we were supposed to do was to work in 
um, a special care nursery or a neonatal intensive intensive care unit Mm -hmm. uh, for a month. And I had requested one of the smaller hospitals because I always knew I wanted to work in a small town at a small, low resourced hospital. And they they had made that plan for me. It all worked out. Um, And then at the last minute, it just got pulled and they redirected me to a hospital in our biggest city. And I got to see all these babies. Like I, I was there to witness all these babies be born on those few days. I was only on that placement for three days before something happened that derailed that one. But I saw all these babies born at the same stage that he would end up being born at and saw what the reality of it was and what the reality of life in, in the NICU was for those preterm babies that wasn't my plan at all. That wasn't supposed to happen at all. And I know that he was just shifting things around to sort of prepare me for it. And so as I kind of reframed my perspective to accept that he had been communicating with me before he was born Mm -hmm. and that he was communicating with me after he had passed away, I found that I could... I could also connect with other, I don't know, it just, it just led me to a new level of accepting my gifts, basically. Like I could connect with other people. I could connect with plants and animals and um, that there was just a lot more information around us at all times than I had previously been acknowledging. Mm -hmm. It sounds like just like everyone, you went through some hardships and trauma and I'm glad you came out on the other side in a more positive way with uh with some purpose after that. That's, that's great. Um, so do you think this was some type of karma that was happening? Whether, whether it was your life or his life, but yeah, I, that's what I ended up finding in. uh, So it was quite a journey to reconcile with what happened because also we had to make the decision to let him go based on, um, he had developed some really significant bleeds in his brain, in mm-hmm. his brain stem that would have, you know, impacted all areas of his life, like his cognitive, but also his motor. It was possible that he would be a vegetable for his whole life. Like right. they had no way of knowing, but the prognosis was very, very poor. And while my husband was a hundred percent certain, like unwavering that this is what we needed to do for me it was a lot harder and I'm so glad that my I think it was the right thing to do but at the time like I really needed my husband to be that strong Mm -hmm. and I struggled later with wondering if I had if I had killed my baby like that that was those were the kind of thoughts I was having and like a, a tremendous amount of guilt and regret and um and so eventually uh, like I don't know maybe six or seven or eight months into the grieving process after he passed away I came across the Akashic Records um I heard it in a podcast and I didn't even really like I'm sure I had heard that term before but it I didn't have any context for what it was but when I heard it I was just like whoa wow, I, I need to, I need to look into that. It just, those words felt so alive to me. And I looked into it and found that it's kind of like, often the way it's described is like the, 
the book of our soul or the library of our soul and like um mm-hmm. every experience we've ever had as a soul is recorded in in those books or those libraries or the records basically and i just kind of knew that um i needed i needed to understand why this had happened i just needed i needed an answer in order to be able to move on and feel I don't know. Yeah. Like I could get just... some closure. I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I learned how to do the Akashic uh, readings through a program that was, um, that I heard of. And I went into my Akashic records and asked the question and the, the answer that I got, and that was the first one I went in with, like, I didn't bother with any practice questions. I was like, <laughs> screw that. This is my whole reason for D- wanting to pursue this path. Dove right into the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the answer that I got was that it wasn't anything I had done wrong. It wasn't anything my husband had done wrong. And, and he and I were both feeling very tormented about that. Like it, maybe it was our karma. Right. Um, it was actually um, our son's karma, but only in so far as like he had had an experience in a different life that was kind of like a loose end that needed to be tied up so mm-hmm. that he could really move on to the next. It was just sort of like, you know, it was going to have to get finished up one way or the other. And so he he wanted to have an experience that allowed him to find the the balance, the opposite perspective. It was almost like a mulligan, like a do-over kind of thing. And he had asked us before, I can't, I can't even say like it was before we were born because there's no time or space outside of the third and fourth dimensions. Um, But anyway, it was an agreement that we made and he even gave us all these outs. Sorry, dogs grabbing a drink, but uh, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so it just, uh, it expanded my concept of karma and it was, I mean, I imagine when some people hear this story, they think like, okay, well that's nice, but like, what if you're just making it up? Well, of course. And that, that leads me to the next question, which is, so there he goes, (laughs) but, uh, so what process did you undergo in order to access these Akashic records? Because obviously you're gifted. But it's not like you can just close your eyes and, and yeah. you know, access the cloud. Was it meditation or like the, the, do psychedelics help you get there? Like, I, I don't know. It's probably different for everybody. But yeah, I really think it's different for everybody. I think everybody has a different path to being able to open up their consciousness. Um, at the time, I wasn't using any uh, drugs, but. Um, when I was in my twenties, I smoked weed a lot, but I never really got any deeper than that. Um, and, but I don't know. So for me at the time, it almost seemed really easy. And I think it's because I was making myself so available to connect with my son. Like, it's not like he was, you know, talking to me, air quotes talking, but all the time, And it's not like I could be in the vicinity to receive it all the time because a lot of the time I was in a really dark place. But whenever I was able to receive it, it was when I was in a a good mood. Like I realized that my mood and my vibration really, really impacted my ability to receive 
communication and feel his presence. So, so I had already been sort of fine tuning my vibration as much as possible while still riding the waves of grief. So I think by the time I went into the Akashic Records, it wasn't even that much of a leap. But basically, it's like, it's, it's kind of like meditation for me. Mm-hmm. But it's just tuning into uh, a very subtle realm of communication. But the Akashic Records have a frequency of grace and love. Um, and truth. So it's, you know, rather than tuning into the subtle communication of like negative entities, it's a place where you don't have any judgment. You don't feel any judgment. You can see the most horrendous things mm-hmm. and you can sort of feel it from the human perspective, but you just don't hold any judgment because it's a, it's a, a level of consciousness above that. So it's more about the level of consciousness than it is an actual place, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so, the Akashic Records, is that, it, when you're doing a reading on someone, can you only see their past lives, or can you see everything? Like, what's it like, you know, during well, a reading? Does that include future and in present events that are happening, you know, maybe within them at the moment? Oh, yeah, for sure, because the really cool thing is that, um, like, now, the now moment is the only real time. Mm-hmm. So the past, people tend to think, say, we, we kind of know that the future isn't set in stone. Like, some people still believe strongly in fate and destiny, but I think um, our human collective consciousness has evolved so that the majority of us have a sense that there are multiple probabilities for the future. Right. So we kind of accept that, but... What a lot of us don't realize is that the, the past is just as um, multifaceted as the as the future. So the, hmm. there are like a, a gajillion different versions of the past. Um, and it really depends on what our perspective is in the now moment. So the now is the only place of power. So I'm always accessing people from the now, but I can see their their like the past the version of the past that resonates most with where they are right now and is impacting where they are right now. And I can see the future probabilities, like the main ones based on where they are right now. Hmm. Wow. So does it come in the form of like a holodeck of probability where you see multiple, <laughs> that, that's a, I know that right. that sounds wild, but like a, um, almost like a kaleidoscope of probabilities and their, uh, their present, decisions affect what happens next in the direction that they go if that makes yeah sense. yeah that's a great that's a fantastic description i love that the, the kaleidoscope that's a really really great way of describing it and it it's not just the decisions it's the energy and the beliefs behind the decisions like that's way more i don't know i was just gonna say it's way more important than the decisions but the mm-hmm. actions are important too but it's it's more about the belief um, mm-hmm. and the, the emotions that underlie the actions. Cause you can, you can choose to act like you can choose the same action out of different beliefs and different emotions and have different results. Right. It's almost like the law of attraction to where it, you're envisioning something. And, and if you have right. positive intent and confidence behind it, the likelihood of it happening the way you would like is much greater. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. 
Yeah, it is very much, very much like that. Like if you were to say, for example, somebody who's in, in business for themselves, they can choose all the exact same actions as somebody who feels very confident in their business. But they, if they don't feel confident, if they're choosing those actions from a place of scarcity and lack of confidence, that that's what they will experience. It's interesting. So one question I have for you. Um, I've looked into the works of Edgar Casey. He's talked about the Akashic Records. He's like a famous uh, psychic. And uh, do, have you ever experienced past lives so far back that it they're like Atlantean? He, he always says like there's Atlantean soul groups and they've moved on. But I'm big into our history's wrong and there was... Uh, advanced ancient civilizations do you ever get to go back and see like past events that the history books got wrong yeah i do and so i'm trying to think of where to go with this this answer so mm -hmm. for sure sometimes i see lives that uh like for people in readings that like, I have no context for this. I don't, it's not in my understanding of history based right. on what I learned in, in the public schooling system. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't really place it, but I can describe what I'm seeing, right? Um, but I also have have seen a lot of people in Atlantean and Lemurian lives. I've seen a lot of people wow. in incarnations that are not on Earth that are in oh, other really? realms. Wow. Um, most, most of the lives I see are like fairly regular earth lives, mm -hmm. but they're pretty exciting anyways. Um, but I had a reading with somebody last month who she really wanted to do research to write a fictional book on Atlantis because she had a, a past life there and she just felt the connection. And she just hmm. asked me a ton of questions about like, the social structure, the buildings, the language, right. like all these things. It was absolutely fascinating. But for me, it seems to work best in that Q&A format. Like, I don't think I would have found that information without her asking the questions because I don't think I would have yeah, you wouldn't have looked for look it. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, does it resemble anything like the society that we live in today? Or is it like yeah. a completely different structure? It, it does resemble this is like society that we have today, but but very different as well. And then I also give the caveat that like any psychic information is for that you get from me or anybody or even like our own selves is always it's always abstract, non-physical information that is then having to be filtered through the context of our own psyche. Hmm. So you know that's like, interesting yeah that's very that makes sense yeah yeah so like i take everything that i see with a grain of salt and i often say that in my um readings that like it's more the way it makes you feel so for example when i saw that um that answer when i went in to ask why my son had died it was the way that I knew it was true where nobody could ever talk me out of it is because I had this immediate massive catharsis. It wasn't anything like my conscious brain had been telling me. And I, that was the most healing thing I've, I've experienced hands down. It's what has allowed me to move forward without feeling crippled and diminished by it. Where mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who have been through similar losses who still 
you know, really, really carry the burden of that grief. I still grieve, but it doesn't, I don't feel less. I don't feel victimized by life, if that makes sense. So it's the frequency of the healing that feels true. So whenever I'm seeing past lives, I always take it with a grain of salt, like, maybe this is just a symbolic way of representing the the frequency of the message that i'm supposed to relay but when whenever the people that i'm reading for experience huge shifts and their life changes as a result then it doesn't really matter if it was symbolic or literal right it it's it's had the effect that it was supposed to have mm -hmm. so you keep bringing up frequency and i'm big on that i think everything's frequency when it comes down to it and there's this frequency uh i think it's 432 hertz which is like the love or the earth frequency i guess it's what um things in nature put out and i just want to know if you have any insight on that or just how to raise your everyday frequency and vibration like what, what do you do to work towards raising your vibration yeah, I think it's as simple as, well, I definitely think that there are those frequencies like the, on the solfeggio scale mm -hmm. are um, really powerful. It's sort of like, well, you can really hear it in music, right? Like that's right. one of the, the perfect examples is a music that is tuned to that frequency leaves you feeling um, just well, mm -hmm. just very well, or being in nature leaves you feeling very well. Whereas listening to music that is tuned to the alternate frequencies, um, they just, they, they mess with your emotions, you know, and, and our emotions are the best indicators of our frequency. So for me, it's just, I learned this from Abraham Hicks and it was, it was really helpful. It's like, just, giving a crap about how you feel every day yeah and and like having you know giving yourself grace too because I give myself grace because I'm a human so I'm gonna have off days and that's fine like I'm gonna have days that I just wake up on the wrong side of the bed or something happens and I'm just like in a bad mood all day and it is what it is mm -hmm. but um as much as as much as I can try to tune my feelings so that and my thoughts my perceptions so that i feel good and i feel in my power and i don't feel um what's the word like i i don't feel threatened by the world mm -hmm. um though those are all like high frequency emotions or feelings and anything that takes you into a state of feeling like really scared, really vengeful, very, um, yeah, like threatened and disempowered, victimized. Those are just very low frequency. They disconnect you from your power. Cause I guess to me, the whole thing is like, we're all super powerful. Like we can't even begin to understand. Mm -hmm. I'm, I only, I feel like I've got the tip of the iceberg of understanding of how powerful we are. And anything agree. that makes us yeah. feel not powerful is, is a total bullshit mirage. And it's up to us to like call it what it is and, and choose to shift our focus onto something different that reconnects us with that power. Yeah, for sure. Do you, um, one thing I want to ask you, I know it's kind of a loaded question, but do you think that the elites of the world are using this knowledge to push those emotions of fear and hate 
and division rather than pushing these emotions of love and uh, things like that uh, just to keep the everyday population subdued and creating a, a subconscious um, condition that, that nobody really knows why they feel the way that they do but they do mm -hmm. if that makes any type of sense yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I 100%, like, I don't even know how the other people don't see it that way, but I respect that everybody has their own unique perspective, and, you know, they don't, yeah. everybody doesn't have to agree with me, but to me, it's so blatantly obvious that um, Us too. there are so many, there, there are billions of ways that they thwart our vibration all the time, and, um, you know, fill our psyches, like you said, on an unconscious level with low frequency emotions and low frequency beliefs and stir up narratives of division between us and um it because it keeps us disconnected from our power it keeps us easier to control but also i think it's because they can't create anything because creation comes from the higher dimensions and like the fifth dimension and above and the fifth dimension is going through the heart portal where we realize that although we're individual, we'll, we're all one being. Right. And in order to be functioning in the way with the with the motivations that the elites have, um, you you can't you cannot merge with that unity consciousness because then you would be so acutely aware of the pain that you're causing everybody, right? So right. so they keep themselves out of that place but it means that they can't create they've cut themselves off from creation so they hijack our frequency to get us to create what they want and i i agree i mean they they thwart our our vibrational frequency and our creativity with things like fluoridation of our water the food we eat the media we consume and and to people like us it's blatantly obvious but my question to you is, so this is obviously very powerful knowledge, the things that you talk about. So do governments and let's say uh, military forces around the world use, use this for things like remote viewing and um, predictive probability? I definitely think so. I, I think for sure that um, that's, that's also part of like when we hear about, um, you know, satanic ritual abuse and mm -hmm. children that are trafficked, a lot of the time you hear that those kids have like powerful psychic gifts. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the ones that survive to adulthood and then have the potential to tell their story if they are able to break away from it. And I think it's because it's not, I think that the, um, you know, the elites have access to that on their own, but it's kind of corrupted. Well, pretty, very corrupted, definitely mm, corrupted, definitely corrupted yeah. <laughs> by, by, by their motivations. Whereas children are um, more like pure beacons. And I think that they just, they use they use technologies that I don't fully understand and, and um, processes that I don't fully understand to harness um, people's ability to remote view and see different probabilities. And I believe that everybody can do that, but I think there's also like a, 
it's it's energetically taxing as well to to tune into that non-physical energy and i think that they just it's it's a little bit like <clears throat> why would you do your own laundry when you can like get a slave to do it yeah it's a little bit like that why would you exhaust yourself energetically to do it yourself when you can just get somebody else to do it for you so so in your opinion with these um satanic rituals and, and even sex rituals with you know young children what kind of power does this generate for them and and how do they keep their karma clean for whenever well, they're they reborn? I, they, 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 they keep don't. their karma yeah. clean. <laughs> it's not clean at all. That's right. why. That's that's why. But they you would have think no that they would move to a lower dimension, and and like it's just not going to go down without the big fight that we're seeing, because they have to pay their tab in the end, and they, like, who wants to pay a tab like that? No one. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Um, that's but, probably why they use all these extreme ways to live as long as they can and yeah they're they're afraid of what comes next yeah totally i that's that's totally the information that i get about it is just like the and and i think that they've figured out a way to sort of recycle themselves too so that they don't have to return to source when they do die per Mm -hmm. se i mean well that's transhumanism Um, for you right there that that's the sole motivation of transhumanism yeah. yeah. I've also seen information about necromancy and that these people are actually dead, but I don't want to get into that. I do want to ask you, uh, when when our souls, when, when we die and we go back to the universal oneness or whatever, are we conscious between these lives before we're ready to reincarnate into a new life? Like, are we aware when we're in the, the ether or whatever you want to call it, whatever's between the... Well, and also, is there a concept of time while you're there? Right. Well, t- mm-hmm. time's fake, but... Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. so what I found, and again, my information all comes through the Akashic Records, and I do yeah. some exploration on my own, um, but mostly I am doing it like through other people. So, And the kind of people that come for Akashic readings tend to be like very high consciousness souls, even if they feel completely disconnected from their power, they can't remember who they are. It's not the, it's, it's just a different caliber of person. Mm -hmm. So what I find is that yes, when we um, leave this life, we totally like, like is described in a lot of near death experiences. We totally have this, uh, sort of life review that it's not even a review. It's not like, I don't see it as being taken to a room and like, you have to you know rewatch right. everything. It's just like suddenly your perspective that was so, so it's like, it's like being a horse with blinders on and then the blinders are taken off and mm-hmm. it's like, Whoa, I see everything. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then we do, we do remember that life and all of our other lives in between um, because we don't have a brain. Like it's our human brain that is limited in its ability to hold information. It's, it's just like our hardware just does not have the storage capacity for all of that. But when, when we're no longer restricted to that hardware and that like that memory capacity then we have access to all of it and from there we choose what we'd like to do next and when we'd like to do it 
And there is a sense of um, a passage of time, but it's more of an abstract concept rather than like for us, it feels really real and relevant because it is, it is, it's a, it's just a byproduct of being in time and space in physical form. Um, but yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. So, so what you just said right there is very reminiscent of accounts of dimethyltryptamine. Are you aware whenever you go back to the spiritual realm, it, like does a, does a thing like dimethyltryptamine remove the blinders? Yeah. Um, are, are they exactly. like, are they here as like tools to help us reconnect yes. with the spiritual realm that we've been to a million times? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, it's so amazing, first of all, that our bodies are capable of making endogenous DMT mm -hmm. um, and that DMT exists in nature and that, like, we have these beautiful um, plant allies that um, provide a medicine and a gateway to reconnect with these truths. And I think that's exactly what they're there for. And I think like if people arrive at their spiritual awakening or accelerate their spiritual awakening through these methods, that's amazing. And it's also not required. Like it's, they're just um, different options that work for different people under different circumstances. But yeah, I, I for sure think that's what it is. Yeah, uh, psychedelics definitely get us closer to the spirit realm, and it, it's just like with children. Children are closer to the veil than we are, so they're a little desensitized to it. You know, they can see through things easier. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, when you're doing these Akashic readings, do you have to be in person with them, or could I do a reading with you like a, through the Zoom call? I do all my readings through Zoom. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to set one up. You might have to tell me yeah. who I was. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, I what do I need all. to work through? Yeah. Hitler. Hey. <laughs> I actually, I don't even know. I'm sure I have done a couple in-person readings. Yeah, I have mm. done a couple, but I can't, like, there's no difference. And it's only been a couple. It's really funny because... Uh, I think none of that makes any difference at all. Like even right. when I'm in readings with people, I can connect with, like if they're asking about a relationship dynamic, I can't read that other person's Akashic records per se because they haven't given their permission and it's uh, like very okay. sacred. Like like um, integrity wise, I just wouldn't do it, but also I can't do it even if I would. And mm -hmm. uh, But I can sense the energy through that person. And I can, like, they give me access to enough of the context of what's going on in that relationship that I can, you know, explain. Like, basically what I think it is, is we just get to have more answers than we think we do. We've been so, so, so gaslit for so long into believing that we're, like, garbage nothing humans cut off from God, that maybe there is no God, maybe there's nothing meaningful to any of this, and we just don't know what's going on, and we're hairless beach apes, and, you know, <laughs> like, ha just having yeah. all these, like, terrible limited thoughts about ourselves, and so we've become disconnected from our ability to access these answers for ourselves, but we get to have this insight, like, it doesn't, it's, it's a lot of energy for me to do it because it also really intense things come up and I'm holding, you know, um, anchoring in 
the energy for people to process really intense experiences, Mm -hmm. but it's, it doesn't feel like anything mystical. Like it really doesn't. It just feels like obvious and like, it makes me laugh to myself that I spent so long believing that I just didn't get to have these experiences. And it almost sounds like a uh, comic book origin story or something, you know, like I've always wanted to be psychic and I've been working to raise my vibration. I I could be doing more, but, you know, I want to have one of these experiences where I come out on the other side knowing more. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. If you have always wanted to be psychic, then you totally have access to that information Mm. and it's all the whole the the hard work is not receiving the information the hard work is deconditioning your beliefs from the idea that you're not psychic and the the other thing though too that i'll say is that it's way more subtle than we think it is and so for a long time even though i was having you know experiences that would make me go like oh my god that was crazy I would still just dismiss them because I was so used to measuring things in terms of like concrete, physical, tangible reality that it's really easy to dismiss them. And it wasn't until I just sat down and decided to make a list of like, I just wrote out my spiritual awakening story and I didn't write it out in like a big novella or anything. I just was like, and then this happened and then this happened and Mm -hmm. this happened. It was just for my own sake. So it wasn't a great piece of writing, but that really, really shifted my perspective a lot where I was like, oh, holy crap. And I've just been dismissing these things for years. <laughs> but they were like, you know, dreams and have like I used to um, do a lot of work releasing trapped spirits through dream time, but it wasn't under my control. I didn't know one night, you know, I couldn't go to bed and be like, well, I'm going to go like punch in for a shift of work releasing <laughs> trap tonight. It was it would just right. happen. And so even though I'd wake up and be like, wow <laughs> then I would just carry on with my human day and and let it go. And even now when I do Akasha greetings, the information is so subtle that I could totally just dismiss it. But I've gotten really good. Like the information isn't getting clearer. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah. But well, practice like makes perfect, actually, I'm sure. You know. Yeah. yeah. But what actually is what I can feel is like shifting is my ability to just trust it immediately right away without mm-hmm. my brain coming in and interfering with it. Well, I will tell you this. I've had a couple experiences with dreams where I think I've caught glimpses of the future or and I've had like one or two sleep paralysis experiences and I, I don't know what all that is, but uh before we let you go, we have a couple more questions. And do you want to let the people know where to find your work, where to reach you before we ask you these last few? Sure. Um, the easiest place to connect with me, uh, if you're on Instagram, is at my um, my Akashic Reading Instagram profile, which is at the North Star Love. If you search Amy Belair, you will find my other one, Many Restless Ghosts, and I will not find you for a long time because I generally <laughs> don't check that one. But it's not private, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. But at the North Star Love is the best place to contact me because um, I just I respond to those messages faster. But otherwise, if you're not an Instagram person then um, my email address is amy at the northstarguidance.com. 
Awesome. That sounds great. Pat. So I have this is my this is my favorite question. Um, do you have any insight on astral projections? Is it a skill you can practice? Is it a uh, a natural God given gift? And um, is it something that's viable with the skill set that you have? Okay, so yes, it's a skill that you can develop. Um, I think it is, I don't know if like a natural God-given gift is the right way to put it. I think it's just what happens is like, we're not as chained to these bodies as we think we are. We just think we are. We Mm -hmm. think we are these bodies. And, um, but our spirit travels a lot, usually during sleep anyway. That's how mine does it. And I don't, I'm not a conscious astral projector. Uh, It's something that I've worked on on and off, but I kind of just like let it go because, you know, sometimes the more you try it, something, (laughs) the more evasive it gets. But uh, what happens for me is I'll feel like my, my consciousness will separate from my body and it'll start to move out of the room and then my body figures it out and freaks out. And says you got to get back here. Yeah, you got to go back. <laughs> yes, and right. all of a sudden I'm like, woof, right back in my yeah. body, and it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think also for me, I don't know if this is true for other parents, probably not, but for me, uh, because I have a two-year-old right now, um, I tend to not want to leave as much. Like I just don't try as much as I did before she was born. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But I think for sure that it's something that we're we're totally capable of doing spontaneously. But I also know people, I personally know people who um, are able to do it uh, at will when they want to. And I think it's absolutely amazing. So you said this is more of a skill that you can practice. Is this something that sets the average lay person apart from like uh, your charismatic guru? Is this something that uh, it's like some people practice the art of more and they become more enlightened or is it just kind of random? I love that question. I love the way you put that practicing the art of war. I think, um, I think some people come in and they just, they come in with the intention of having a much higher frequency and a much more lucid consciousness. And for them, they, are able to experience those things with greater ease because they don't have the same limiting beliefs that the rest of us usually have to work through. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I absolutely, that has totally been my experience. Like I really don't think that developing psychic gifts is challenging. The challenging part is working through all of our shadow shit that comes up and all of our limiting beliefs. But um, the more you pay attention to it, so like practicing the art of more is the perfect way to describe it. The more you pay attention to it, the more you celebrate the tiny little intuitive hits you get or those cool dreams or, you know, just that sense of like when you when you know somebody's passed away before somebody tells you like, you know, stuff that you'd tell somebody else and they'd be like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, be little your own synchronicities, like yeah. holy shit, that was amazing. Right. And just pay more attention to it and really juice it up with your energy and put it on the front burner. And it has no choice, but to grow. Like that's just how it works. I love that. I really love that. Well, Amy, thank you for giving us some of your time. I think this has been really insightful. Our listeners are going to love this. I'm sure Yeah, that was great. Oh, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for having me. It was really fun to talk to you guys.
I'm gonna have to uh, come get an Akashic reading from you, see what my past lives were up to, what I was doing yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I'm scared to find out, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be scared. Come on, Tyler. <laughs> but all right, Amy, thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. You too. you too. Talk to you later. There you have it, folks. I thought that was really fun. I, I learned a lot from Amy. I hope uh, I can get in contact with her and learn a little bit more about my past lives and my trauma that I need to work through. Um, as always, give a follow, like, subscribe, review, whatever you guys do on the internet nowadays. I can't keep track. All the pod links are in the show notes. All the guest links are in the show notes. Show our guests some love, and uh, that's about it. And most importantly, take it away, Mulder. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. <laughs>